Welcome to Whack or Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, a band, or an even entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine. And like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text amongst friends that simply refuses to die and only gets weirder and weirder. As always, I am joined by a couple power poppers on powerful poppers. <laughs> Hey, I'm Noah, and uh, I don't know, I'm a punk rocker. <laughs> and I'm Adrian, coming at you in a leopard print vest and white jeans. Ooh. And I am your host, Caleb. You got the spike belt. I am. <laughs> I'm the. I'm the sunglasses guy. What they call that spike belt with like the three rows? Uh, growing up in Santa Maria, we called them Slayer belts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think there's called a three row or a two row. Three, you gotta go three, dude. I think three, three was more pyramid, metal. Baby. Two was more like a pyramid belt. Yeah, that's what they called them. Did you ever wear a bullet belt? They oh, used to yeah. sell them at Boo Boo's. They're fucking so expensive. They're so expensive, and they're not. They don't really work practically as a belt. <laughs> you have to wear them over like over, another belt. Yeah, you just. But it was a off. dope look. But I don't think I could ever pull it off. And yeah, I like, remember someone, was, someone, someone in the scene had. I can't remember who it was, but I, I feel like yeah, one of, maybe one of the uh, Allen Brothers or something had. had it was like Nate Koski. Oh, was maybe a, it was Nate Koski. Yeah. R.I.P. Um, it was a other. big flex. You had to be real thin. You had to yeah. be real thin because when you sat down, because I wore one one time, it wasn't mine. Some a girl I knew had it, and I was pretty skinny at the time. But like, you sit down, that shit like cut your gut open i can't even wear a belt buckle anymore guns are fat <laughs> it slices your gut yeah i have to wear like the standard issue one you get with the regular belt but yeah it was like um definitely like a metalhead thing you know that's like when you graduated being a punk or whatever or a pop pump uh pop power popper garage punk whatever what episode is this this is episode 21 yeah it's old enough to drink baby 21 and no fun. It's very appropriate for this album because yeah. this, is, this is all about having a good youthful party time. So happy 21st birthday, son, daughter, Wacker Slaps. Nice. What are we doing this week, Noah? Today we have the Exploding Hearts debut album, their only album, Guitar Romantic from the year 2003 class of 03 stand up we made it <laughs> that's right the world is our oyster i actually have a theory that 2003 was a banner year for music not just indie music but music in general i think the and i think the period from 2003 through 2006 is maybe some of the best music released during that three-year period but we can talk about that another time yeah 2003 was actually the last year of the 90s as well. It was that's that's long been my theory, and I'm really bad at separating like what came out on what year or whatever. I just kind of look at it in like five year chunks or something. It always Um, takes a couple years for the like the the hangover of the decade to kind of wear off. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. But definitely musically, like especially like kind of the shit that we cover, kind of that sub 
mainstream indie what what have you um it definitely like all the sensibilities of the mid to late 90s just like trickled in and then things got a little bit more left of center a little bit more like identity driven in terms of like kind of how bands split off in their own these little micro uh directions and genres yeah. and things like that we'll get into it but first yeah. but this is hear- a really good album that highlights that you know this being mm-hmm. well let's hear what pitchfork said yeah. and then we can get into like what the deal was because caleb what you're getting at i have a lot to talk about like punk the punk rock of the punk in indie rock like how that used to be go hand in hand and now it kind of doesn't totally 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 yeah so to get into the pitchfork review uh it got an 8.8 it was given the best new music this is early on in the best new music i think actually uh maybe even in within the first 10 or so Uh, it was the best new best new music (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, indeed uh it was reviewed by matt lemay who was a he was a, a pretty uh uh popular writer over there i think he wrote a lot of um big reviews for them but i think he's moved on since then and is no longer uh writing music stuff but um i pulled a pretty long excerpt from it from the review i think that it it sums up a lot of things that that i kind of was th- interested in talking about and then it also touches on a little bit of how this band sounds and what what their whole deal was that we can jump into afterwards. So here we go. There are points throughout Gortar Romantic where parallels could be drawn to the Strokes. And indeed, the two bands seem to be working from a pretty similar tradition. But where the Strokes embody a self-conscious, affected cool that involves preening their hair to make it look like they just woke up, and their music sometimes seems similarly premeditated and self-conscious, the Exploding Hearts simply have no shame. These guys indulge in power pop like true hedonists. Their unmitigated passion for the music negating any shred of the hipness their influences imply. At first, it's confounding that a band with such a keen sense of songcraft would adopt a style aesthetic that combines punk cliche with an LA looks advertisement, but their style, like their sound, comes across as a product of unabashed enthusiasm and near ridiculous reverence for the music. All this discussion, of course, seems irrelevant when the record's playing. At the end of the day, Guitar Romantic is simply a fucking awesome power pop record that would have been just as irrelevant and engaging 25 years ago and will undoubtedly be just as fun 25 years down the road. It may seem glaringly retro on the surface, but the Exploding Hearts have released an album that is, at its core, ageless. And I think that last paragraph really sums up this record in a lot of ways because I think it is very much timeless and I think you know, especially after the, what happened to them, um, which we'll get into, I think it does kind of stand as this sort of, you know, I wouldn't say quite a masterpiece, but it's sort of like uh, like the peak, the pinnacle of like of a kind of style. A high watermark? Are we using that? Yeah, high, high watermark. Water or like, a, like, yeah, maybe like a line of demarcation too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like something that was just like bold and brash and kind of not giving a fuck about what the conversation was or what other bands were doing and to like yeah, yeah just to kind of drop off in 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 a sea of indifference and things and you know yeah it definitely announced itself and yeah, yeah that's what i wanted to talk about like this is the section the what's their deal thing and how they are yeah they're power pop and all that and you can see those like the nick low influence and all elvis costello stuff like that pub rock even but they the are i think straight ahead yeah, yeah raspberries uh, oh yeah but I think raspberries. They, they are first and foremost they're like 
a, just a punk band. Like they're like garage Rocky punk band. And I was thinking how like there used to always be a place for punk within the greater indie landscape within like the blog rock era within the pitchfork era. But then I think it just all shifted to being like every metropolitan area is going to have a punk scene. And even every small town is probably going to have a punk band, but punk after I think 2004 or five became a niche thing where it was no longer in the conversation of great indie rock bands so much so that like by the late two thousands, when Pitchfork would do their year-end roundup, they would have a separate list for the top 50 punk albums of the year. Or they call it like, yeah. what do they call it? Usually like it was like the rock. He- yeah, it was like the metal punk experimental. They yeah, so it almost, it, got, the side, yeah. it almost got, I don't want to be too like ghetto-wise, like that's maybe a little too strong, but it kind of, like punk is always going to be alive and there's always going to be people that are into bands like this. But it, it became so regional and like niche with like small labels. It, like there hasn't been a punk or garage type band or even when you look back at the early 2000s, the whole rock revival stuff, that's kind of music. It still exists and there's a lot of it, but it's never going to cross over anymore. Yeah. Always- and all the stuff that was like the indie embrace with like the, your blogs or your like kind of mainstream alternative music public publications they they would only embrace fans that were like punk and punk adjacent so it's kind of like oh these guys have like you know nuggets like garage punk like early proto punk sound or these guys have a post-punk sound or like yeah they it was always kind of this and but thing but yeah like like straight down the middle not down the middle but like you know more straightforward things that were kind of punk forward they definitely had their own system of like distribution and like scenes and blogs and and i agree with that but it's also like punk kind of embarrassed itself too you know and like you had (laughs) like fucking but yeah well you had like the fat records thing and you had bands like fucking the offspring and pennywise and all wagon all these just like really bland lame shit that got really popular kind of in the whole wake of the grunge thing and alternative, mm-hmm. like being Warped commercially tour. viable. Yeah. That they kind of had their own, I don't know. They had their own system and they had their own way to, to just, you know, to get distributed and get bands well-known. And I, I don't feel like they had much of anything interesting in that DNA. So I don't really blame, you know, the big India or whatever you want to say for like not embracing that shit. Cause I don't know. I, I would want to distance myself from that too. Well, I think also, because I think that like there's still punk albums that cross over, and I think you know that Mannequin Pussy album from a couple years back, for instance, was pretty big. There's some other bands that that still pop up and and hit the kind of the mainstream of whatever pit you want to say, Pitchfork or whatever the indie, yeah, like, indie rock, like Perfect but, Pussy, right? Riot, Riot Pussy, all the Pussy, pussy Riot, <laughs> Pussy Riot, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry exactly. Pussy from Michigan, the noise band. <laughs> But it's like, I I think that a part of it too is maybe how the, like all those bands sort of became legacy bands, right? Like Green Day, yeah, uh, The Offspring, and, and and then that sound kind of been became co-opted and became more pop oriented. Yes. It became yeah, arena I, rock of their time. Yes. Like, yeah. In a way. Way, it's not arenas. It was like outdoor, like, yeah, tour, big tour package venues and shit. Like that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that that 
that it stopped being dangerous and it stopped being, I think there was still interesting bands out there taking that sound and doing stuff, but you're right. No, I think it, it, they got less coverage. And I think that, you know, part of it is just the shifting dynamics of indie to where it kind of in the mid two thousands, it did sort of coalesce into one sort of specific sound. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still kind of like that, but I think it's breaking away a little bit again, but it's, yeah, I think it's a lot of just homogenization in general of the music scenes and and the way things you know the way that the that the distribution change with the on you know online sales like all this stuff plays into that i think yeah Um, caleb uh, you mentioned how yeah punk got pretty played out with the whole i mean a lot of it's california's fault with that yeah i mean i I don't mean to say i don't mean to sound like a fucking boomer like yingvay malstein or whatever like like, who are completely out of i mean what like shit you could buy at Circuit City. Like what was that's on what TV. Saying. Like so, bands you could see live at fucking yeah, fairgrounds. That's, like, what, that's what I mean by punk. That shit became accessible. And I think for the first time in like the history of punk, kids, young kids that were getting into punk were buying no effects records. They were buying Green Day records. They were buying like the offspring records. Whereas before, and I think even now to this day, when a younger kid, like a teenager gets into punk rock, he still goes back to, or he or she or them, they still go back to early punk rock. They still go back to like the Ramones, the Sex Pistols. Yeah. I think the canon, the canon, I think exploding hearts kids who are like our ages. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I think there was kids our ages where, there was, I, I think our whole generation of kids, they kind of skipped that precursor shit, mm-hmm. you know, like the mm-hmm. um, the starter pack yeah, shit New with York like dolls, all like the stuff like right. that. Yeah, or it was like all the like the London 77 shit and all that. Flash, like, I, yeah. and then there, yeah, there was a group of kids who were just like, and then a lot of kids heard that and they could be like, oh, they could take that in a different direction and experiment more with it or, you know, take what they want from it and create indie or they could just create like garage punk punk or whatever you know but then like there was kids who were like yeah their first punk records fucking like whatever yeah, the more likes in a bean fucking no no effects <laughs> yeah. they're gonna turn out some fucking drivel you know and unfortunately <laughs> i think we lost a good 10 years of of punk and then that's probably why yeah people what? just like were a little careful to say they were yeah. a punk band because it was implicit mm-hmm. in indie music that yeah it came out of punk in so many ways and that it's always part of the dna but you don't need to fully embrace that side of it or um have that be your central driving sound you know it's, it's always going to be in there and you're always going to have reverence for it but to yeah. be that forward that straightforward of a punk band yeah was a little bit tricky you know it was a little bit passe because the way that kind of scenes had atomized you know, yeah. from there. I remember going to punk shows when I was like uh, 16, 15, 16. And once I started seeing bands where the lead singer was wearing like flannel shorts and like a shirt that that said his band on it, <laughs> he's wearing like a hat and look like his too, folks. And look like a dad at a fucking barbecue. <laughs> I was like, this is not cool anymore. This ain't fucking it's not tight jeans, leather jacket. Like you're not bad at you're you're kind of lame. Yeah. It's like a lame kind of dorky. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, it's totally lame. I mean, we all grew up in Southern California, right? Yeah, we, that's we all a specific knew, sort of. We all knew the dude, and we all knew the truck, and we all knew the fucking social distortion sticker or like the, <laughs> yeah. the strung out sticker or whatever. Any of those like mm-hmm. paint by numbers, you know, bands that were coming out of that. So, like, yeah, by the time we were of a certain age, what punk meant to us in a interesting and rebellious way was, you know, the hardcore stuff, or it was the stuff that came out uh you know in the late 70s and the mid 70s yeah. and stuff the stuff that was actually like dangerous for his time and had something to say cuz i knew a lot of punk rockers like in 1999 that Ooh. they never even <laughs> listened to the clash they never yeah. listened yeah. to the sex pistols they never listened to new york doll they didn't know who the fuck the new york dolls Those bands were were considered like classic rock or not but it's like some weird oh, they were other just off their radar region yeah, yeah. I That's mean, their true. first gen started at like maybe Black Flag, if it even went back that far. I think they even in the skipped, Misfits. They I think you skip like Black damage. Flag because you just tell people, of course I like Black Flag. I got the fucking, the I bars, got the bars, yeah. bro. But it's like, have you actually heard the album? Like, uh, this, like your bass, the way your bass player plays bass sucks. Listen to Black Flag. <laughs> listen to the way they play bass. That fucking rules. Like, yeah, but totally like that. That stuff came out of like. Yeah, at least for us, like enjoying it now, it came out of like listening to like a broader spectrum of underground yeah. music. And it and, wasn't right. There was a time where punk rock, like it wasn't even rock and roll anymore. It was just like it was just lazy. <laughs> and I mean, it's supposed to be lazy, but like it's just not cool. I don't think you know it's supposed to be lazy. I think yeah. it's supposed to be compact or, or yeah, straightforward, streamlined, immediate, uh, hard, immediate, yeah, like, calcified. But I think also a, a thing that we're also kind of talking around is is authenticity and and the idea of what is authentic, you know, is 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 in two, you know, in 1999 is the kid wearing a leather jacket with studs more authentic than that guy, you know, the guy wearing the the flannel shorts like yeah, what what is true. what is authentic really? And yeah. I think that I think that also play I mean it's t- I touched on it in that excerpt. I think it also has a lot to do with with attitude and the way that they they approach the music because obviously the Strokes had the same a very similar sound and were inspired by probably a lot of the same bands, but because they came from a different place, they you know they're trust fund kids or whatever, which you know nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, besides the obvious, but like I think that that's why the Strokes were always kind of pegged as less authentic, and whereas guys like these guys were like are really authentic because these guys are you know living it even though they're probably both doing the same shit partying and doing drugs and stuff but you know Hell it's yeah. all a matter of like perspective right yeah, yeah totally i remember when the strokes came out and like just being a reactionary like shit talking cynical kid i was like oh they just sound like the ramones or they just sound like whatever the four bands they, that i knew they ripped off that no they just sound like riff. television yeah, yeah they just sound like <laughs> and then i was American like i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna listen to those bands those bands are meaningful but then like i look back at it now i'm like well that's dumb because those bands are obviously meaningful to them too and like if you want to start a band and be inspired that's how music works and that's how bands mm-hmm. work it's like you have to have something that like gets you to pick up a guitar gets you to pick up a synthesizer get you to start like rapping you know it's like yeah. you have to start somewhere with influences and it's okay to synthesize those so, and make something of yourself and this whole idea of authenticity if i used to confuse like oh this band sounds like this band this band is derived from this scene 
that fake. can't be real because it's happening now. It's fake now. It's po- it's poser shit. They're just like taking advantage of people's lack of knowledge around that that like I have. So then it's like, yeah. but it's like no, that's just like that is also a very lazy critique. It's just like you're just trying to make yourself sound important and um smart because you know who their influences are. But it's like anyone can really right. do that, and it's okay for a band yeah. to have start think- somewhere. My question for you guys: Do you think we'll ever see like young kids like, yeah, I'm in a punk band? Like, do you think they'll be like a, like a, strung out, no effects, like face to face? Do you think there'll be a revival of any of that ever? Like young kids trying to sound like that? I mean, I'm sure there um, is. I, if I have anything to do with it, I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely hope not. Well, just judging by the way, like you know something as as something as hated at the time as like midwestern emo or not hated but something as maligned at the time as midwestern emo as has come back full circle to now become a really hip influence in the past you know five years or so i think that it's not it's not crazy to think that yeah there's yeah. gonna be some kids well, it's now, gonna sound like la- some kid band that's gonna sound like lag wagon yeah. or whatever the dude fuck, i tried man. to listen now to the, fucking the smash the other so day that shit is it is so hard because it's like i don't even know where those bands were coming from like what which like, band caleb's I'm i was sorry. listening to the, the offspring smash i was like i'm gonna oh, try to listen yeah. to this record yeah. and i'm just like and that's like the <laughs> biggest record of that that whole group of bands and for a while dude, that was, was like, like a top 10 the, record of that year it was it for a while yeah. it was the highest selling independent release ever and it, it yeah. spawned like shitty punk bands like people thought right. they were the ramones like like but this you is listen, it right. so kicking the door yeah. in. but you listen to that stuff and there's something so I don't know, removed from it that it's just like it, it kind of is lacking of heart and um, point of view other than to just be like snotty and clever that I don't know what kids of our next generation or whatever, what, what resonance they would have with that emotionally yeah, or culturally, you know what I mean? Bro. Right? Yeah. Well, it's so, so like bro and just like, fuck you. I don't know. I don't know. There's something it's not something weird. Really- weird there's nothing weird about it i think people are always going to respond to shit that's like weird and out there and that just like completely just made it status quo and there's like nothing there there you know like at least with the midwestern emo stuff it was like it was spacious music it was emotionally like driving you know and that's people are gonna and there's cringy shit about it but people are gonna like always latch on to that and there's also such a canon of emo music i mean emo essentially came out of somewhat punk rock and indie rock oh, well it came directly out of hardcore basically hardcore, out of hardcore yeah. specifically but now yeah. but yeah. emo has such a, a canon of its own that young kids are always going to go back to the emo canon where they don't even have to associate with hardcore or like you know they don't even know what that is yeah hmm. but pop punk like big pop punk like that 90s like unless it's like it sucks it fucking sucks i don't know <laughs> dookie know dookie good album Who's to say? Uh, I, you know, I, I threw that on maybe a couple years ago and those songs are still very catchy and very, it's fun to listen to, but it's also like, you know, it's not really punk at that point. It, it the, the yeah, pop punk has switched a little bit. It's just rock and roll. Outlier. Really. Yeah. It's like, you know, don't get and me started on rock. Popular rock. <laughs> Rockabilly. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's thank God this album never. There was never any, there's some rockabilly touchstones, I suppose, but it never like went full rockabilly. I was like, oh, thank God. Now that's, that's I mean, a far field. 
Wanda Jackson kicks ass, but really, if you're, you know, one of these rockabilly dudes in 2021, like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. If you're rockabilly like a little kid and singing in the 60s or 50, that's cool. But outside of that, no. Yeah. Dwayne Eddie, all those guys and, and gals. <laughs> Eddie Cochran. Yeah. But um, if you're doing that shit now and you're just celebrating a post civil rights movement in America, <laughs> that's inherently bad and racist. Yeah. It's very, I'm like- sorry greatest generation vibes yeah like my grandpa was hot kind of like instagram <laughs> post look at this babe storming the beaches in normandy yeah oh, veterans day yeah <laughs> oh, now my car gets 18 miles to the gallon oh. all right all right let's get back on track here <laughs> yeah we're so, way we've already recorded longer than this album is <laughs> you know oh, that's what i really liked about this album is i was able to listen to it at least uh, it was refreshing 14 times like it's like cool 28 breeze. minutes it's brief sneaking like three or four of these records that i these listened listens. to it yeah. three times today that's <laughs> me too and i worked yeah, I did too. for I eight hours to it. i just took a nap and listened to it yeah. oh caleb i sense some uh a riff in the force you don't like this no, I was like, I was like, oh, I need to get my uh, listens in. So you said he put nap. you to sleep. No, no, no. I was just taking a nap and I was like, I put it on the background. I was like, I listened to it a bunch of times today. Cool. All right. What's Anyways, next? So that was their deal. But I guess like, sorry, I know we kind of went <laughs> went off on all that. No, all but, too, but also like kind of what was their deal? And what was happening at this time is to, it's the the power pop of it all too. It was like, or mm. like kind of the yeah. garagey kind of more raw pop stuff. Um, that was really big at this time too, or at least was like kind of coming is... coming up. And this is this album's different the way they approach it. But well, I, I would feel say, like not, just just to interject here really yeah, quick, let you go on. But I would say that actually is probably more waning at by two thousand three. I think two thousand one, okay. two thousand was probably when it was. In two thousand two was probably at its peak. Like when we had the Strokes, the Hives, you know, your Vines, whatever the fuck revivalist rock. The revival is rock. I think by 2003, 2004, it was maybe it was still peaking, but I think it was it was about to be on its way down. But yeah. anyway, it switched from doing power pop to more like a new wave sound at that. Yeah, point. Th- yeah, yeah. They yeah. also saying, but there was like bands like um like Apples and Stereo, who, who they name mm-hmm. check in the review, or yeah. like Olivia Tremor Control. That stuff was like yeah. more like the Elephant Six. Um, it's more psychedelic. Though. It's more psychedelic, but it definitely has that like. DNA of bands like Raspberries, Big Star, Garage, Sonic, kind of, yeah, um, is kind of an amalgam of, yeah, kind of the more, I don't know, lesser known big power pop stuff, and with like, yeah, kind of more experimental garage, more kind of rawer sounds, and I think like this band, a totally different approach. I mean, they were definitely a lot more raw and a lot more unpolished. but I feel like there was a crop of bands and I'm, it's like a total blind spot for me, like scene wise. Um, but I feel like there was a good grouping of bands that were kind of doing the kind of scuzzy, yeah. I don't know, pop stuff. The Atlanta sound. We've touched on that in previous episodes. Yeah. yeah. And then there was like the epoxies and a bunch of other yeah. Yeah. Pacific Northwest bands that were doing the, that sort of sound too. Yeah, because I mean, the Pacific Northwest at this time was it was still remained to be a haven of live music, and mm-hmm. it was really affordable to live there at the time. Can't say that now, but like, yeah, people were still like 
going there, like either being from there and starting a band or going there to start bands, like, you know, partying and doing kind of music that was just for them. And that was, you know, um, yeah, just from the heart and, um, yeah, straightforward and raw and, you know, scuzzing really kind of, uh, embrace that whole. All right. Well, yes, hey, hey yeah, oh, let's go. well i think that's actually a good segue into kind of some of the background here um i don't have too much just because the band their history is is tragically short um so i'll I'll go into what i have but uh the album was recorded in april 2002 at studio 13 in seattle washington it was produced by the band with pat kearns who is a producer and songwriter i think he was in a bunch of Pacific Northwest bands as well. Uh, it was released by Durnap Records on April 1st, 2003, April Fool's Day. And it is the band's, as, as Noah mentioned, first and only studio album. They And they they had risen Durnap to prominence. Records, also great record. I don't know anything about this label, but great label name. We've, we've, we've <laughs> yeah. talked about that before. Yeah, great it's a little uh, that's a good one for this album. Yeah, it's oh, a little true, on true. the nose. And sadly. also, I think the reissue is the, the, the band, the album that re- was called like Tough Luck Records as well. <sighs> Boy, there's something yeah, one of well. the pressings is under like tough luck or something. Like, yeah, well, if you remove <laughs> it from the context of ultimately what happened to this band. Good, good record name. Yeah, great <laughs> name record. your record labels well, people. It's not you know, it's hard, but you know, challenge yourselves. And I think it was also released actually on another label that didn't have a depressing name, Screaming Apple, which is actually kind of a cool uh, label name. But so the, yeah, the the band had had sort of risen tough, in the Pacific. Tough break records. Sorry, tough break Shit. records. No, she's there. You go. Um, but the, the band had risen in the Pacific Northwest scene, in the Portland scene. I think they were kind of le- one of the leaders of that that power pop, you know, new wave revival, uh, along with the aforementioned Epoxies and some other bands. But they, you know, they 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 had started to become popular and getting press. I, you know, I they got on the cover of Maximum Rock and Roll, for instance, which is you know a pretty big zine, and then Treading Paper, which is another zine. And so they were pretty well known. I think they're they're becoming well known for for having a really great live show, really energetic live show, um, and having these really melodic tunes. So when the album was released, uh, it did build a lot of buzz, and the band actually became in high demand to tour in, on the West Coast. So they're right in the middle of that, uh, touring the West Coast and prepping to to launch a national tour when tragedy struck. Uh, they were driving home from. Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco, which is a great classic venue, driving up I-5, and they were around Eugene, Oregon, when uh, I believe the bassist, Matt Fitzgerald, was driving. Let me double check on that just to make sure that- Matt uh, Locke, a.k.a. Locke Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they all have punk rock names, which is cool. Yeah, we should bring that back. <laughs> Do that um, for ourselves. No apologies is mine. <laughs> it's pretty good but he fell asleep at the wheel and lost control of the, the of the van and two of the members were thrown from the van and, and died on the scene adam cox who was the vocalist guitarist and drummer jeremy gage and uh fitzgerald himself died later at the hospital uh their guitarist terry six came out with relatively minor injuries as well as their manager but 
you know, what once three three quarters of the band are are gone, you can't really move on forward. So he, he basically the band dissolved at that point. Um, yeah, it's one of the most tragic band endings like it's up there with leonard skinner i think yeah, it's actually totally. worse than leonard skinner yeah. i think in, percentage terms, of, in wise. terms of numbers right. yeah, yeah. It took out 75 percent of the band i mean i hate to say it in those terms that's kind of it, yeah, but it's I true mean, you know, i remember say, hearing but, like, about that and i was just like holy shit yeah like, yeah uh, that dude terry six i believe lives in oakland now oh interesting i know he w- went on to join some other you know similar yeah, bands he played a uh, burger boogaloo a couple of years oh, ago. oh there you go yeah which is a big festival celebrating all this kind of music but yeah all, all these guys are really also, young displacing homeless people <laughs> fucked up. get out of mosswood park burger boogaloo pay for a venue get out get the fuck out of here i can oh, see yeah. mosswood park from my house there was well. also I'm, that i'm territorial <laughs> <laughs> there's also that controversy with the uh, the burger records yeah, it's no more dudes. the record label right yeah. so yeah these guys are all really young i think the oldest would was adam cox he's 23 matt fitzgerald was 20 and jeremy gage was 21 um so you know really really sad these guys were super talented and there was it was rumored that they were about to sign to lookout records which i think would have been a huge step for them lookout records uh famously launched green day's career you know, Kerplunk. in a famous local East Bay uh, uh, record label. But yeah, I, that, you know, after that, basically the, the band was no more. And so that that's kind of the end of the line of their story. They did release a posthumous compilation in 2006, which collected all of their singles and a bunch of unreleased recordings. And they also put out a um, five song video collection that was recorded at their second to last show at also at Bottom of the Hill. Um, and then in recent years, a documentary is is in production, uh, being produced. I can't remember the filmmakers, but um, it's called Exploding Hearts, the documentary. And uh, there's a trailer online on YouTube that you can check out. It, sh- it was supposed to be released like two years ago. I think they're still kind of collecting and working on it. So who knows when it'll be released, but it looks interesting. And if, you, if you're interested, go ahead and check out that, uh, that yeah, trailer. Somebody has the money. Go ahead, front them. Bezos. Yeah. You're into this band, right? Kick them a little cash or something. And please, because um, yeah, it, it's a sh- the the dr- the the difference between a good music doc and a bad one is really wide. Um, <laughs> they should be funded well. If not, it's they're really hard to watch. Or um, oh yeah, we're local boys, Green Day, Mike Dirt. If you're listening, kick them a little cash. <laughs> I think he sunk his money into that three-hour East Bay. Uh, punk rock documentary oh yeah <laughs> right. i have a copy I think... well i did have a copy guy at my work let me borrow it he was in it mm. he was like a little kid at the gilman yeah i don't have a lot of nice things to say about a lot of those bands featured in <laughs> iggy so... pop did the narration it's gonna be pop it's like <laughs> green day <laughs> <laughs> all right well, well speaking um... of speaking of speaking... punk history what are your histories, punks, with this record? Um, I can go. Um, so I heard this b- band right around 03, 04. Uh, I was a freshman in college living in the dorm rooms at UC Santa Cruz. And my roommate, Taylor, shout out, he, uh, he like, the first month of school, he went around to, like, everybody's fucking dorm room and was like, hey, let me get your 
CD booklet, your case logic. And he just ripped like every single CD. So he had like, I remember you could like on the iTunes, it would say like how many days of music you had and whatever, if you were over a certain amount of hours, he had like 23 days worth of music. Like he, like the first month, I swear, like all day long, he'd just be like, bam, bam, bam. So we had a bunch of, you know, a bunch of crap when you do that, but there was also some good shit. And this was one I just stumbled on. And I listened to it and I'm trying to think like the timing of like when the whole car wreck happened. Like, I wonder like if I even knew that it was like posthumous yet. Cause I bet you I was listening to this kind of right around the time that it happened. It happened in July. So right okay. before you so, started school, probably. So there you go. So it must've been just before. And I didn't even know that. Yeah. Cause like news traveled a lot slower back then. Yeah. So it's like- and it was, I, mean, I wasn't actually about a, you know, a essentially yeah. tiny band from Portland, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. And I didn't know, I didn't read the pitchfork review. I didn't look them up on the internet before. It was just one of those random stumbling upon records on his computer. And it was like, Oh, exploding hearts. This sounds cool. The album cover looks cool. And I just like clicked on it. And then it wasn't until like probably the year end list of pitchfork when they listed it, as one of the best albums that I realized like, Oh yeah, I love this band. And then I was like, Oh shit. They're like already gone. And they were like my age. So like, mm-hmm. or like a year or two older, but they're like 20, super young. That's like, that's everybody was makes it even more tragic. 20, everybody was under 23. So this album, like I kind of stopped listening to it. Cause it like had like a, it was just sad to me. Yeah. So like I kind of, mm-hmm. Like I kind of stopped listening to, even though I thought it was like a perfect album back in the day Mm -hmm. and I'd listen to it all the time. And like, I loved, I loved at the time, I still do like the clash and the buzzcocks, all that stuff that they were influenced by, you know, I was heavy into the, the kind of second wave um, British punk that was, or second wave punk that was happening in, in uh, Britain. Uh, and, And I was also getting into like, New York dolls and all that stuff. And then I like most of the retro rocks, revivalist rock stuff, like the white stripes and um, definitely like the strokes. Uh, But I was into this band before I had a love affair with the strokes. So these guys were kind of, I'd say I liked the white stripes the most out of the whole garage rock movement that was happening in the early two thousands. But this was one of like my favorite records in like when I was like 1920. And then, yeah, I think once I heard that story, I kind of was like, oh, man, that's sad. And I never revisited the album after that. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I can go next. I really have very little history with this record. I I, I remember reading about the, the tragedy when it happened, uh, probably on Pitchfork. I, you know, similarly, I was also into the garage rock revival stuff. You know, I loved the, I loved the white stripes. I loved the strokes. And I really, I was a big fan of the hives too at this time. So the helicopters guy, <laughs> oh boy, the helicopters, right? Mooney Suzuki's. Oh, Mooney Suzuki. Suzuki. Named after can baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I actually, I liked okay. all those bands and I was listening to a lot of that stuff. I, I think some of them even ended up on the uh, punk alt mix, but uh, a so helicopters, one hundred and thirty-seven percent fucking did. <laughs> so, still gotta know, find that. Still, still spelunking for it, folks. I'll report back soon. It's somewhere in the archives. Um, but uh, so, like, I, I, you know, 
it definitely would have been an album I would have liked and would have been into. It just, it didn't connect with me at the time. And, uh, and as I said, I did, I did hear that story and I was like, damn, that that's really tragic. But uh, it wasn't until like later that, you know, going, just going through on occasion, I, I would go through the pitchfork lists or whatever, you know, spin or whatever paste, whatever lists there are of the best, you know, best 30 garage, best, 50 whatever um so i think i was going through the p the p4k list of probably the 500 of the uh of the decade or whatever and they were on there and like that album cover is just so arresting you know the pink and the yellow it just caught my attention immediately i was like oh what's you know this sounds really cool and it's like oh yes that band that you know i remember from back in the day um and i finally listened to it and it's like shit this is exactly this would have, I would have loved it. And it's like everything I really love, like you're saying, the Buzzcocks, the Clash, like all these touchstones that were important that did serve as the canon for, for, for us, you know, as well as like Nick Lowe and stuff that I had liked later. So like I, I immediately made those connections. I was like, oh, this is fucking kicks ass. This is great. And I love that it was, you know, even though it could very much, very easily veer into pastiche like it did not it does not feel like pastiche at all it feels really genuine and like a genuine homage to that sound even though they're like basically ripping off a lot of things just wholesale you know but i just i i really dug the music i loved it and you know it became a record that i'd throw on you know every once in a while you know especially if i'm working i think i i generally when i'm working on stuff i try to go for uh stuff without vocals but sometimes like things with such high energy and you know it just works so i this this became a working record for me and and yeah i think for for the most part that's where it remained just uh, an occasional listen and something that i was like this is this is really great nice yeah um i don't i don't have any history with this band M- nothing much to speak of really um Definitely is like one of those bands Noah came back from Santa Cruz all stoked about, um, which I remember specifically because I was shocked because Noah's like, have you heard this punk band? And uh, me and Noah butted heads a lot about <laughs> kind of more abrasive music types. Um, we'd always got along like like The Clash and what what have you, television, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it was, it was like, oh, it's a punk record. I was like, oh, shit. Since when do you listen to punk? So yeah, it was like that was kind of a novelty thing. And then um, I think he'd like, told me the story about how they all tragically passed away and then like played it for me. And um, I only listened to it once or twice before until like maybe even only half a time before I listened to it again, um, previous, like recently. So um, yeah, I can't really say it was my thing at the time. Uh, it didn't make much of an impression on me. I don't didn't really know how to approach, um, you know, power pop or that kind of that first wave punk like 77 revival stuff um both in terms of like those bands that influenced a lot of these types of bands and also the bands that are carrying on this sound. um like i never got into the jam or like the dead boys or anything like that i feel like it kind of lacked something it's kind of like a, also how i never got into oi you know it's like um and what's interesting because you listen to a lot of this kind of style pop punk and you listen to oi and it's kind of like has similar touchstones with like glam like 70s glam like the sweet and the you know like new york dolls and whatnot and then like pub rock and things like that the dolls are punk bro they're punk <laughs> yeah but you know what I, but you know so it's kind of like i don't know um even yeah, though i, I guess always a little bit more johnny punk. thunder's hair bands yeah yeah yep. yeah but yep. yeah so i never 
gotten to like the sham 69 or blitz or whatever um i found it like that like it kind of lacked a certain kind of hardness and sense of abandon that i really loved in hardcore and um, the faster more abrasive stuff um which i ultimately just like that cacophonous sound kind of sounds abstract and psychedelic to me more than anything and i felt like bands that were kind of approaching things with more conventional song structures and things that owed more to pop straight up pop music just i don't know it kind of the punk piece of that just kind of lost me kind of like I didn't hear it over time. I couldn't get over just kind of the polish of it. And then like the, you know, kind of how just, I don't know, self aware it is and like calling self out. I was like, ah, I'm a little rascal. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I think like <laughs> hardcore took a lot of the ego out of it, even though they have a really egotistic frontman and things. I don't know, but it, I don't know. I had more of a collectivist kind of like more bass sound to it. Um, that I definitely resonated with more. So, yeah, I didn't really know what to do with this album when I heard it or like what, you know, what it owed its sound to and all that. Um, but, you know, as I got older, I would later learn to embrace the scuzz and some of, you know, the more bratty kind of rock. Um, just when I wanted to have kind of a, you know, like a nicer time, a little like party time, put on some like guitar driven fucking you know, three chords, baby, just rock out. So, um, yeah, I say all that to say is I, I don't, I didn't have a background with his record much at all. Should have listened nice. to your older bro back in the day. <laughs> yeah, but to, it's not really put you on. It's, it's not punk to listen to people's recommendations. That's how punk I am. <laughs> That's true. Like, fuck influences, fuck suggestions, fuck critical. Yeah, you know who's punk? Fucking Mozart. Yeah, you know what's punk? John Coltrane. That's fucking punk. You know what's punk is listening to the same six bands over and over again. Bo just Diddley, talking shit about everything. Bo else. Diddley ended punk with fucking Hey Bo Diddley, the Bo Diddley riff. All right. They've been chasing that ever since. Dude, <laughs> I got this Bo Diddley live. Muddy Waters is punk. I got this Bo Diddley tape. Um, it's like a bootleg. It's him playing at a um like a frat house oh, in I gotta Ithaca, hear New York this. in like 1957. Dude, it is punk as shit, dude. This guy is just like fucking has the crowd like in the palm of his hand. He's just ripping and grooving the whole fucking time. And his band is all sparse. It's probably like him and two other people. And it's just like you could just hear the fucking like shitty frat house. But dude, it's it's awesome. It's super scuzzy and punk. And like, so that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I learned to embrace Scuzz. What would you say when there's that stupid question that happens like at a party? What's the first punk rock song? <laughs> you know how they like every 10 years there's like, oh, they found this recording of some like Brazilian band. Turns out they invented punk. Right. Like, what would you guys say? I always say like, and it's an obvious one, probably like Louie Louie, just because of how distorted it is. That's a classic one. I mean, you know people want to say like the monks or something like that was yeah. the first punk band i don't know there's a lot of stuff you could say it is you know wild thing wild thing for sure yeah i mean in terms of like abrasiveness and just like things that are like intentionally challenging and heavy it's got to be a uh, serenity to the victims of hiroshima by penderecki for me <laughs> that, that's say, fucking punk are you gonna <laughs> yeah, say dude. frank zappa <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry. The I can't mothers. steal that bit from better podcasters. <laughs> no. no, what'd you say, Caleb? If you had to name one song. The one I just named, Penderecki, baby. Um, I don't know. See, that's the thing. I'm not much of a music musicologist to um yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know. For me, like, you know, when you're a kid, it's like you go through this process of like uncovering what was really the first punk. So you're like, the first punk band was Sex Pistols. And then when you get more of an individual, you're like, dude, that's what they want you to fucking believe. It was actually <laughs> goddamn like the Ramones. And it's like, but no, it's really. So I think like the first, well, actually, Chuck first Barry punk band was the first punk. For <laughs> me, it was probably that Kick Out the Jams was the MC5. Yeah, so like that'll always like wrong. That's like wrong. boogie woogie, but yeah, like, like wrong right. or right, probably mostly wrong. To me, that's like the first punk because that was like the first first punk band I like listened to and like really got into. Yeah, yeah. Adrian, um, what would you say? Gun to your head. I don't know, man. Cause like there's I'm thinking like the Fugs, you know, you could say the Fugs had the first punk, real punk band, punk song. Um, uh, I mean some of those early What's kinks that song songs that they have. I'm the trying club. to remember. You yeah. used to listen to that all the fucking I, I time. I know what you're talking day. about. Yeah, the Kinks, like you really got me, is pretty close. Yeah, um, or even something like the Sonics, you know, um, yeah. another Seattle band. Um, but then there's like you know fucking Jerry Lee Lewis. Like you could totally fucking say like Jerry Lee Lewis was punk, right? Whole lot of shaking or whatever. It's pretty punk. Yeah. Or maybe like maybe some of the like some of those early surf dudes. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of bands. I think Caleb's probably right. I think for me, the where it really coalesced was probably the Stooges first record. I think yeah, that, that yeah. that's kind of like the the bench like that first benchmark for like this is what this is the new sound. This is what's gonna influence everything else. Yeah. So I think for well, me, I mean, like nineteen sixty-nine or something would be like the first like real punk song. But I don't know. I mean, you could say that the first rock and roll song is the first punk song. So like Ike Turner, like Rocket Sixty Six or whatever, like, you know. It's hard to separate after a while, especially those early, the way those early rock and roll records sounded. They're so like scuzzy and even like there's some like Hank Williams songs that sound all fucking weirded out. Let's like, say uh, um, even like that Elvis, Marty Robbins like, song with like that first, like, you know, um, yeah. distorted bass line. Like there's all yeah. kinds of stuff. Or even like Elvis, stuff. That's All Right, Ma. That song's like a minute and a half long. And it's just like verse, chorus, verse, and he's playing three chords. He's, they're not like power chords, but like, you know, whatever. It's all music, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out punk rock is as old as rock. Yeah, man. You know who the, you know oh, who the Grateful first Dead. punk was, though? Yeah. Dead, yeah, yeah, like not giving a fuck, like being bad at your instruments, um, being fucked pen. up on drugs, being real loose. Um, yeah, Pigpen. Grateful Dead is punk if you think about it. Um, not washing, yeah, that whole, well, that's it. Then, well, the, sound wise, maybe the Shags were the first punk rock band. You know who the first punk rocker was, though? Jesus Christ, <laughs> that's true. No, he had long hair, <laughs> dude. He had long hair, he like had a lot of crazy ideas about like collectivism and like loving one another and fighting the man. If you guys think about it, he was the original punk and the original hippie. I mean, flipping those money changers tables, that's pretty punk rock. That's true. That's a oh. thing that got overused where it's like, it was like punk rock. <laughs> yeah, that's punk rock. And everything like became... Amazon's actually punk rock. Yeah, Bill Gates <laughs> is punk rock because <laughs> it was in the garage. It's like, no, any of those megalomaniacal tech dudes do not like music. None of us like punk rock. <laughs> Yeah, that was the greatest trick Steve Jobs ever played, that he was counterculture. 
<laughs> like that was his whole that's what he sells like apple is counterculture yeah, like, he sells an apple over a counter yeah we're trying that's to make those divots in a golf ball or whatever the fuck he used to say <laughs> <laughs> all right all right welcome thank you for listening to our ted talks on punk right, everyone yeah. welcome to wacker slaps <laughs> Let's uh, take a pause for the cause. I'm going to go listen to um, a punk album. album in in the time that we take a break. <laughs> I can probably find a good one that's like uh, You can long. listen to Why Do Men Set Fires by the Miniman. I think it's three and a half minutes long. And it's like, there you go. Four I'm songs. Listen to that twice, and then we'll come back <laughs> and talk more about the Exploding Hearts Guitar Romantic. All right. Good job, guys. Yeah, guitar Romantic. Guitar. And we're back. I just listened to Gauze's Destroit, <laughs> Distort Japan like four times. And uh, yeah, it felt good. That was a good little break. Nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have all probably listened to this album a couple times or a few times uh, today, probably since um, yeah, we got this assigned. So how's everyone feeling about it? What are our current reactions? Uh, why don't you go, Caleb? We'll go reverse order. Okay, I like that. It's very punk. On oh, still in the middle. Yeah, you play. Uh, you play the three chords. Oh, yeah, in a certain you're in the order. middle. <laughs> I'm in the middle. I'm in the middle. I'm not. You play. In the you play front. like uh. There's like we're like we're like each the chord. You know, you got your three chords. That'd be a cool punk rock. Caleb, song where it's like I'm stuck in the Adrian middle. Ella. I'm not in the front, nor am I in the back. I'm in the middle. Or you just like explain I'm in the middle. things. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I took a left and no L right. That feels yeah, like a Fred straight. Armisen bit or something. <laughs> the, no, but there's oh, a lot of mundane. kind of killed punk. That little shit. A little bit. A little bit. There's a, a lot bit. of mundane punk out there. The whole Portlandia of it all kind of killed punk. Hey, Portland. All comes I saw him that. play live. <laughs> that fake punk band that he had on SNL. Trenchfoot? No, well, he That's was a, a real... real yeah. <laughs> But no, he had a fake punk persona where they did a bit. Yeah, it was like yeah, a, it was a wedding sketch, or whatever. Sketch. So I saw him open for, he was like on tour with Bob Mould and um, That's some good power pop and Sleater yeah. Kinney. And so him and Bob Mould would play the fake punk guy. I forgot his name. It was like something Johnny Chaos or some shit. It was cool. cute. But <laughs> I saw Bob Mould play at uh, Always, what's it called? Always Sunny. Yeah, and Partly then they sat sunny or whatever. Armisen and Mould sat right in front of us, and a bunch of people went up and like, let me get a picture with uh, Fred Armisen. I'm like, you assholes should be getting a picture. You don't with even Bob know who Mould is. Yeah, man. you don't even know. <laughs> they, I saw no, no joke. I saw people. <laughs> I saw people handing Bob Mould their, oh. their fucking camera oh, that's phones. The and did the 17 year old in you just fuck them up? Yeah, and he and I think Armisen was like, "You should be getting this guy's picture." <laughs> of course, he said that. Of course, he did. Mold, Mold's a little. He's like a thick king, dude. He's looking good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those two, those both of them were thick kings. R.I.P. Um, oh God, why is his name escaping? Grant Hart. Grant Hart. R.I.P. Yeah, yeah I, I saw them at Mickey Hart. Oh yeah. God. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> Wrong band. Yeah, I saw them like uh, right after Grant Hart passed away at Hardly Strictly, and. um nice he did but one yeah. of grant hart songs it was it was sick it was cool and nobody wanted to go with me because everyone's like who the fuck are you guys like bob mold band <laughs> and they're like all right featuring all right worcester okay. anyways 
So yeah, I uh, like I was saying, we're gonna do the three chords that we did earlier, but playing them in reverse. Very punk. Um, <laughs> so I'm the C chord, obviously. And uh, yeah, um, I, I had a great time listening to this. You know, um, like I said, my frame of reference was pretty much non-existent. So from that first intro, great fucking intro, very tongue-in-cheek title too. You know, and. Um, yeah, it was a good time. I, I really like the what I call snot rock vibes. Um, yeah, just like that kind of youthful, bratty spirit, but just like every all the the way that it's produced is just like everything's up in the front and just has this like kind of fried sound to it. Everything's both like clear, but also kind of washed out, you know? Um, yeah, it's like a, it's just like a really fun record to listen to. And um, it has all like the throwback vibes. And like I said, I don't have a huge interest in like early punk or like garage revival or anything like that or power pop for that matter so it's not really like my jam but like what they do with it i found was really cool and charming but then also had kind of had the modern touches for its time you know like the kind of scuzzy good time rock and roll but also like kind of cynical you know in a way uh kind of had that 2000s attitude postmodern kind of vibe cheeky ain't yeah, yeah, a little bit, but like, like I said, but also with just kind of that reckless abandon that was kind of part of the um, Pacific Northwest sound. So yeah, yeah. Um, had a had a really good time with it. Um, and I know like a bunch of other bands have gotten kind of fat off of that sound, you know, kind of like Goner Records and stuff like that. You know, Jr. Word and his whole satellite of bands was like, I don't know, they were they were pretty much contemporaries, but like definitely indebted to like that scuzzier yeah. power pop kind of stuff and. I never really took to that stuff because there was just a lot of it. And then like when they talk about their influences, it's just like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work to do for stuff that I probably want to end up liking. So like the other guy, it's good that let's Ty Siegel. Tyson, yeah. Yeah. OCs and uh, as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that whole sea of bands. I was just like, so it was good to listen to this as kind of like like we're saying a high watermark for all that or kind of like kicked off a lot of you know the rock guys rock revival guys so yeah it's cool to like hear that place in time you know and i think this album represents all those that sound like really well it doesn't really lose its punk edge though it's like really sticks to the three distorted chords and just fucking goes for it you know it's like really in a really catchy way yeah so i liked it a lot like really fun and then like yeah then it has kind of like the the bar pub rock kind of things here and there you know you kind of hear some pianos and some organs and some kind of touches more like you know the elvis costello niccolo kind of milieu thrown in there for like good measure to kind of balance things out and yeah, um, there, at times I felt, I felt it was like a little bit too cheeky and bubbly, you know, that's really not my jam. I'm more of like a, like a hardcore guy, but this was like really kind of fun reprieve from that, you know, in the past three years, I've gotten pretty heavy into hardcore more than I ever have, which is funny because I'm in my mid thirties. <laughs> um, and so, but I keep doing it. I like, I buy more hardcore records than anything else these days and more than I ever have. So, so it's good to hear like the approach of punk in a different way, you know, than what I've been kind of subjecting myself to. And yeah, it's cool to just throw in some bubbly vocals and, you know, hooks here and there, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, but I, I, I said all this to say, I'm still way behind on these kinds of bands and like the power pop and 
early punk and the, all the like all those bands that are doing that um so i don't know if i'm necessarily gonna dive into that having really enjoyed this album because they just have that and this that collection so i don't yeah. know if i'm gonna you got all that philly punk rock waiting for you kid <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so i don't know if uh i don't know if i'm gonna go down that rabbit hole um i do like a good rabbit hole but musically but rabbit hole is a good hardcore punk band yeah <laughs> rabbit hole records or rabbit uh, punch there's got to be a band called rabbit punch right rabbit punch yeah rabbit punch or what about rabbit hole mm, yeah that sounds more like a um like a venue like a punk house but anyway um, <laughs> i think like moving forward yeah i'll put this on in the car i think it's good and we always say this. This is like a really good mark of an album. It, it sounds like great barbecue music. It, it, I could definitely mm. see us, you know, drinking a bunch of beers to this. Maybe yeah, drinking. I'm, I'm shocked we didn't listen to this more back yeah. in the day as hanging out. Really? Yeah, especially considering how, uh, how much you liked it back in the day. I'm surprised you never put it on more often. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah. I like punk too, guys. <laughs> I guess because um, we, if you were drinking, we would just put on like the Clash or like Black Flag. Yeah, we just we go to the source. Minor, minor Threat. Uh, yeah. yeah, put on some Straight Edge. Minutemen for drinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get down to brass tacks. But um, yeah, no, it's cool. It was, it was really, really, really fun listen. Um, and I'm really glad that I was able to visit it for the first time, really, and uh, find a lot I enjoyed about it. And yeah, keep it in my keep it in my tight little girl jeans for next time. <laughs> nice because back yeah. in the day you didn't have skinny jeans you had to buy grilled jeans back in the day you actually had to be skinny to wear skinny jeans but do you remember <laughs> in 2003 everything was boot cut wide yeah, yeah. fast yeah. loosey goosey i think to... i'm wearing a pair of levi's that i owned in 2003 oh, humble brag <laughs> hashtag thigh gap bitches <laughs> <laughs> By the way, oh, we sell man. fit tees now. We have a sponsorship. <laughs> we sell baby tees and rib tees for all of you <laughs> yeah. uh, tight, tight people out there. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll go on. Uh, go ahead and go on into my. All right, let's go to the A chord. <laughs> Current. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would probably be an A minor chord, but anyways, listening to this now, or well, listening to this for this, I think that. Um, one of the things that struck me the most was probably just the energy of it all. Like it comes out of the gate, just fucking firing on all cylinders, which is fantastic. And, you know, I, even though I'm an older man now and not an old man, but older, I still identify with that youthful kind of exuberance and it, you know, it's hard not to feel it, you know, kind of, uh, you know, catch on with you with yourself because when you're listening to this because it's just so fucking you know energetic and rambunctious it's hard not to just get in a good mood when you're listening to it and i think i really connected with that on these past listenings just the just the the, the energy and the, the the pace of it you know and as you mentioned caleb i really like also really like the production i think it's hard to do the kind of in the red style maximalist production without it sounding like shit um, unless yeah. you're going for that, you know, that's a whole other thing, but it's very easy for it to just sound muddy and crappy. 
this one is actually pretty clear and sounds you know nice and loud and yeah uh, waves waves get your shit yeah because you can totally (laughs) tell these dudes were extremely competent players you know and they didn't have to they didn't have to hide behind the lo-fi stuff right but they know that the what where they were coming from and the energy they wanted to um depict had to kind of have a raw yeah more like you said full-blown sound but yeah but were they just like tossing the leads and the rhythm work and like yeah they, they don't have they don't have anything to hide you know they don't have to just use these lazy affectations no it's more like a yeah. like um like a patina of of sound around the, the stuff it's like it's like the songs are just so fucking energy so full of energy and so fucking powerful yeah. that they're they're literally just distorting the tape it's or like it's like that like, little film you get from wearing your favorite pair of levi's for like four days in a row <laughs> you know it's like still totally wearable still in great oh, shape boy. just got a little bit of a little bit of filth on it a little scuzz a little yeah. little coke residue on it if you will uh, <laughs> a, little, a little piss in your jeans <laughs> piss jeans uh, piss jeans that's another like one another crap. that's another so those are, um, they're like a like lehigh valley uh like noise yeah they're band. more noisy noise rock but, yeah um, they try parquet <laughs> courts are they punk like this they're kind of like a modern punk rock they're like I guess. a boar boar core is what i call them oh the wow boring take that parquet courts I, I had a friend room old roommate was real into them I, yeah just uh I don't know. it's too much <laughs> i like them but uh i don't know they're yeah it's it, the iterations of punk rock now it's interesting to see what those bands sound like but to get back to guitar they sound romantic. like a college thesis now like <laughs> the men sound like this or like you know bands like that parquet courts it sounds like they went to like college to study punk rock no nah, the men are cool they're like pretty much a hardcore band yeah but it sounds contrived at times nah, men's good men's good i like them yeah i like them um i like their country album that they made there you go that was a good record yeah but anyways back to guitar romantic the Another thing that I really love about this record is the melodies. I think that they're really super catchy. I think they're really well like put together. The songwriting is, is super killer. Again, like I don't really go for lyrics first, but a few of the lyrics did stand out. And I think we'll probably a few of them really stood out just in uh, we'll get to terms that. Of, <laughs> of what, uh, yeah, we'll get to that in terms of subject matter or, or whatever, but just the uh, re- just the, remember the aforementioned dead musician's last name. <laughs> yeah. So, preview. but you know, I I think I connected with some of the some of the line. I mean, a lot of it is kind of just youthful, you know, bratty, you know, f- fuck you-ness. and I I I dig that. I like that. It, it really suits the record. It suits the the band and the sound. Um, I mean, it sounds like a bunch of twenty, you know, early twenty year olds fucking rocking out, which is you know really great uh in this in this case but yeah i think what's also interesting is uh is some of the connections i made on this these listens that i didn't before you know obviously the undertones the buzzcocks the clash like the jam the, all the ones we've already talked about but i think one one that i didn't really consider until it popped up on the radio right after the the album finished is is wipers i think yeah that happened uh, to me too dude cool yeah, I think yeah. I, I mean, I love Wipers and Gre- uh, Greg Sage is just a, a genius, super yeah, active guitar player. But I totally yeah, he kind of playing that high wire. Yeah, kinda, good, a good singer, like yeah. somebody that can actually kind of sing a little bit and put together a fucking tune like a song, like yeah. and 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 make like ten minute songs interesting and and 
fucking great. But anyways, I so like that was another touchstone where I was like, huh, I really wouldn't have connected this at first, but now just listening to it and especially listening to it back to back, like there is some there is some connection there. There's some kind of connective tissue, especially you know the Pacific Northwest connection as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other hand, like I think a lot of these melodies, you know, if you if you clean up the lyrics a little bit and and clean up the sound, I think it wouldn't have been impossible to hear like they come out of Dion in like 1961 or something, you know? Yeah, because totally. they are so timeless. Like the the mm-hmm. the way that the songs are. You know, I mean, the, the construction is all very timeless, it's like verse, chorus, verse, a bridge and then verse, chorus, you know, and then a, a big chorus at the end. And I think that, like, again, the, the, you could any number of bands could have put this out back in the day or now today. Like it, it going back to what the review was saying is like, yeah, I think that that this record will hold up forever just because, you know, it although it is playing on classic song sounds like the way that they put it together the way that they made it their own like it's just killer and you know it's it's eternal um and then it, yeah you know, obviously go ahead sorry no no i was just gonna add to that there's always gonna be bands in each generation that's interested in getting down to like the roots getting down to like the basics and like pulling out just like the yeah that really yeah. essential spirit of of rock and roll and like a lot of those bands in the 70s they were trying to sound like 50s dudes because they were kind of overall the overdone you know yeah 60s polish 70s. and all the hey, extra bullshit hey, yeah. hey my my rock and roll will never die yeah so <laughs> yeah it's interesting and then bands like this they want to get down to what the like the dudes in the 70s they're doing so. yeah yeah exactly and you know i think it and then i think I think a part of why it all is so successful is because you can hear the genuine love that these guys have for the music they were making and the music they were influenced by and the stuff they were doing, you know, and, and that's another thing that struck me is just like fucking how young these guys were and how yeah. much, how much time ahead of them they had to, 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 you know, make more good records and totally play more yeah. killer shows. They didn't that's even get so to much their post bravon- Oh, yeah yeah they probably would have had one played... too <laughs> right yeah. they would have had one their second For album sure. would have been like their version of like wire or something right, or right. they would have gotten more like countrified they might yes. have gotten rockabilly who knows well, they might have done like acoustic stuff they might have done more yeah kind of like there's so many directions shit. right there's so many directions that could have come gone through just because like you're saying caleb like it's clear that all these guys were super talented the foundation was rock solid yeah exactly rock and roll so I think, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, it's a incredibly sad story, incredibly poignant story. And, you know, and I think that it's, I think that I hope that if, if that, you know, if that documentary is released, I hope that it gets a lot of attention because I think this band and this record does deserve to kind of be revisited and rediscovered. I think it's kind of yeah. forgotten. And, uh, Oh, um, Gus Van Sant. <laughs> fun the documentary. And then make a little movie. Oh, make shit. like a gu- guitar romantic, the feature film. You could like change the names or whatever, but just, you know, that'd be cool. You could do that. Portland. The back. Imploding Livers. Or uh, what's the other director from Portland? Uh, not Todd Salons, the other one. Todd Haynes. Kelly Reichert? Todd Haynes. Oh, yeah, Kelly Reichert. Kelly Reichert. Make an Exploding Hearts biopic. That'd be rad. She does slow and sad real good, so <laughs> that's definitely true. 
Um, but yeah, Noah, what about you? What's uh, how are you feeling about this now? Man, so yeah, like I said, I I loved this album when it came out, but then you know I kind of just put it on the shelf. Just I think a lot of times I would just listen to same thing with like indie rock of the two thousands or any type of music in the two thousands. I often just go back to stuff that was made before I was born. I don't know. I just find it just a little more resonant, maybe just because it has time on its side. Like, but this album was a breath of fresh air, especially what we've been covering on this podcast to have like a 28 minute album, like 10 songs, like to, to review an actual punk rock album. It just reminded me like how much I love like, good old-fashioned punk rock like and we've we've touched on punk ish albums but it it always a lot of indie rock with punk influences especially if it's like the singers always kind of lean towards being a little too emo a little too hard on the sleeve a little too intellectual like when i hear this dude sing songs he's singing about being a piece of shit but it's like he's not like feel sorry for me. It's more like, this is how I am. I'm like a broken little kid. I don't, I'm immature. Like he's not trying to say like, I have all the answers and I'm still an immature piece of shit. Yeah. Cause like, he I has have to hear that from a 21 year old. In the yeah. It's like, place. I have <laughs> no answers. I just know that I like to like sniff glue and I'm unlucky with like relationships. Is that a glue sniff at the end of the album? Oh, hell yeah. There's also a bong yeah. load. Sound. There's a bonger. And I feel like there's also a sound of somebody doing inhalants. There's yeah. like a little yeah. can rattle. <laughs> like, but yeah, I would put this up there and maybe this is all couched in the fact that this is the only document that we have of this band essentially. And that the tragedy does kind of enhance the whole youthfulness of this record. I think it's like one of the most confident debut albums like ever made. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I fucking thought it was great. Like I listened to it so many times and it was like immediate right away. It has the great one, two punch. The first two songs are fucking rad. And I just, it just hit me. It was like immediate. And I was like, damn, I should listen to some more contemporary punk rock from time to time. I mean, my wife was in a band, a kind of garage rocky band, and I would go see her shows and there's always bands like here in Oakland that sound like this. There's always local bands that sound like this, but to hear a band like do it, like, you know, not just seeing it live with like a great record, like a, you know, to a studio album, like that sounds like this. It was just like refreshing. And I thought the dude's lyrics fucking are rad. It was great to hear like actual like rock and roll guitar solos. Like, so, it was cool. It was just cool to hear like a <laughs> kind of like bar band, like just throwing it down. Like I don't know. I I had a great time revisiting this album. So yeah, that's my current reaction. Totally. It also oh, yeah. like it. Sorry to to further go into depth, but um, yeah, it kind of has gives you like a sense memory of like being in like a basement or being at, at show, some like yeah. dive yeah. bar or whatever and it's you can like, smell the stale beer and like yeah. the bo or whatever and you know these dudes just fucking killed it you know it's like you like they paid their last show at like bottom of the hill that makes so much sense it's like i've seen some really great shows there and like oh yeah for sure for as kind of tony as san francisco now that place still kind of holds it down for like the weirdos and shit and like it's like a 
you know, as a form for it. And um, yeah. yeah, it just makes you think of like places like that. It's just like super cramped and you just got to like fill the room and, you know, yeah. just and put all so your energy rare. out there and yeah, just yeah, play confidently. It's like, yeah. Jesus Christ, if we could all be this confident at Outside. 21, as these, these dudes were like, that's yeah. like just Caleb. creatively explosive. That's the thing too. It's so rare outside of like, you know, a rapper or like a R and B sensation or, you know, like a pop songs, Tris or whatever. It's so rare to hear like, you know, like a 1921, 2021 year old band anymore. Like, like a actual, like young kid band. Totally. Totally. Like that doesn't necessarily exist anymore. I mean, I mean, it does in like regional punk. And if you dive into like, punk labels and like buy like cassettes and stuff so it made me think like yeah maybe i should be out there buying you know local cassettes seeing what yeah younger kids are in i mean i will have to i will say from just from what i know of it it's like the stuff that's a little bit more glossy and like i don't know poppy i don't know how good that stuff is coming out i mean a lot of it's still just kind of the hard drive and like hardcore stuff like that stuff's still pretty fertile but um yeah i mean there's probably really great shit out there yeah. It's just like it's gone down. It's gone way more back underground and like yeah, I got more like micro. Um, yeah, but it was just cool that they actually, you know, saw a taste of somewhat fame cuz yeah. I don't think a band that sounds like this will ever crack like they're never going to crack the zeitgeist or they're never even going to be internet famous, you know? It's just like <laughs> I don't know about that because I feel like there have been other bands. You know, one one that came to mind just listening to them again is this the band Smith Westerns, which had a very similar thing. Yeah, but they were like a flash in the pan as well. <clears throat> yeah, but they, I mean, they had a couple of good records before they broke up, maybe three records. But anyways, uh, that's all to say there's going to be bands that that do come out sounding like this. But you're right; I think it's going to be fewer and. F- fewer you know far between it's it's just not i don't know i the thing because like i was gonna say it's not in style it's not in style now but this wasn't really in style i mean it was and it wasn't at the time so it's you know it's not an it wouldn't be unusual for for something to come out of nowhere but i don't know I don't know. It really depends on if kids are getting into the same yeah. stuff that they were, that, f- that these guys were. I feel like but it, orga- so niche. it, it's so it organically niche, needs to come out of like a scene, like a regional scene of yeah. like young kids and bands exchanging ideas and trying new things out and like working it out live and carrying all that energy into it. Um, Isn't like so. Young Thug making like a punk rock album now or something? <laughs> I is I he trying? That. Is that like his clap back to like yeah? Machine Gun and I Kelly heard it's or like whatever? pretty good. Did Machine Gun Kelly make like a pop punk album or some shit? Well, I guess that's trash. all that shit's like pop that punk and emo. It's just well, all yeah. that like it's SoundCloud well, rap. Basically. Oh yeah, no, Caleb, that's a good point. Yeah, like, I would say Little Peep was like the closest punk rock crossover that we've gotten in the last like <laughs> ten years because that guy was like Boy. pretty. Life also tragically cut short. Yeah, but he was influenced by like, in a van. He, Ooh. He was influenced by hip hop and emo music, but there was a punk rock spirit to him that I kind of respect. Yeah, right? totally. And I think there's a lot of people who like a lot of like older reactionary folks who just bemoan the loss of like you can't even hear guitars anymore. But it's just like, 
Well, it's just like the means of production have changed. Have you listened and to like, rap least recently? There's a shit ton of guitars on rap. Yeah, now. yeah, totally. And but, but I just think people just want to hear what they want to hear, you know, and just want to have their own idea of the world. And yeah, that's be reactionary good, I, and grumpy. I think the punk rock spirit is always alive in music, no matter what era. But as far as a punk band making a punk album, it's fewer and fewer between. As far as like something you just click on the internet and be like, oh yeah, here's a, it's more something that is going to cross over and have like, kind of like a, like a multi-quadrant appeal, like for sure. But I mean, I mean, there's tons. I went to a punk show two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I'm saying. There's always like, you can always go. It was rad. We saw this band. The drummer was legitimately blacked out. That's the thing too. The funny thing is they sound drunk on this album, which is great. Yeah, but this drummer was he was I was in the like in the in the pit area and I look over and I see this fool like passed out. I'm like, I turn to my buddy. I'm like, dude, that guy is so fucking fucked up. Dude, it's only like 930. And then and he was wearing like a bape and like didn't look like he was like a punk dude, which seemed like somebody's cousin or something. And then like and then right before this band Bruja setting up, that dude walks on stage. I was like, oh, that dude's like fucked up. He doesn't know where he is walking on stage. He's like takes his shirt. off. He's the drummer. <laughs> and i was like saca la bolsita for that dude because he's gonna need something to get through this hey, was it brujeria or Bru- they're called bruja they're uh, like these- it wasn't brujeria no that'd be cool same vibe though they're like these young kids from the mission pretty like good raw punk kind of sounds like sepultura here and there but uh anyways right. dude punk's still alive definitely for that guy they had to, yeah. the bass player had to play drums for him for the rest of the set yeah. this <laughs> album kept punk alive in my heart my exploding heart I needed this, man, dude. Especially the albums we've been doing lately. Like, yeah, you need know, a little shot of adrenaline, you know? Yeah, this is refreshing. You got to put really down is. the fucking books. It was refreshing. It really was. Yeah. Well, shit. Let's fucking get yeah. into the songs. Yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick little pause and then we'll come back and slap it around. And we're back. Talking about slaps. Who wants to go first? Um, I can go first because I have the Wait, first. should Adrian go first because he had to do the middle? Oh, okay, time. yeah. <laughs> Adrian, you go first. Yeah, fuck your rules. Um, All right, well, I think that we have a lot of uh, crossover anyways, so. Yeah. Um, this album's pretty pretty brief, so it's like. Yeah, I was just going to say, Adrian, I think you have them too. I have the first two songs hey. as my slappers. Same. Yeah, let's just okay. Yeah, let's say let's say I have those two. Let's go into modern kicks, like the 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 very first song. I think yeah, maybe their best song. It's it it, when he calls it out in the uh, our buddy Matt Lemay. He calls it out in in the in the review. I think he says something similar, but it that song right out the gate it it pretty much encapsulates everything that's great about the band and the record. Totally, and not only that. It's just a banger of a song. Like Fuck it's yeah. a killer Slapper. opening song in general. Like a lot of times, opening songs will be. I don't know. Uh, they won't necessarily define the rest of the album. They'll be like yeah. a. Like Sometimes a, they're like, holding something back. You know. Yeah. yeah. Or like the, yes. it's like kind of like a little yeah. bit of a palate cleanser before mm-hmm. you get into the, the mood, main thrust of the record. Mood setting or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But this it's like one, you're rolling the joint, but you haven't sparked it yet. <laughs> Right, this one you you're smoking the joint. You're this one you're, you're fucking you're free base. You're free, you're, sh- yeah. you're shaping the linias, or you're you're hitting the dust off. You're hitting the dust <laughs> off. 
you're yeah the you gotta the take a little yeah take a little safety off of it cracking inhalants that's another thing i like this album because i forgot about <laughs> when i was young and i would do inhalants <laughs> like <laughs> hell yeah full disclosure <laughs> allegedly. Alleg- allegedly every kid that is our age and older did inhalants because we used to get toxic uh, rubber cement and everybody would huff it if anyone is I listening mean, please do not do that they probably took all the fun shit out of those all those chemicals uh, anyways sure. glue yeah. sticks killed it once yeah. glue sticks went into <laughs> elementary i'm like fuck school i'm out you can have that that was in like super glue dude i was in like second grade <laughs> um but yep. anyways writing was on the wall <laughs> as in terms of like a song that defines a band like this is this is pretty this is this could this is pretty much up there for them like i think that it's not only is it one of the better songs i think it's just in terms of of just being showing everything that they're about this is this is the perfect song for that and yeah. just to, to to drop it at the beginning of the record is just like oof, man you you know you're jump you're on the roller coaster and we're heading fucking straight down right now yeah dude yeah. All right. Any other it. thoughts on it? All right, well, let's play it first. Just get let's that get into dose. It. So here's uh, here's right from the beginning. I think it starts off with a bang. So here's the intro to Modern Kicks. just super catchy super fucking yeah and, and then yeah the way there's like that cool palm mute kind of part and yeah then that melody buzz, that just like buzz cox just, energy all yeah. over this thing but then and that just that big wide too. melody that just like overlays that like second yeah. riff that's just it, fucking it totally encapsulates tasteful. the punk meets power pop vibe right away right yeah. out of the gate power there's pop, like a power punk. pop breakdown a little later in the song if you want to I think I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, here towards towards the eh, towards the well after the middle of the song, here is a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, this is just pure fist in the air rock and roll right here. Like, yeah, yeah dude. so good. And that's such Sleazy. a good chord, the modern cacks. Yeah, let me let me play a little bit of that before we move on, just because it's it is so good. Finally, we get some shredding guitars on this fucking podcast. Yeah, I fucking I love the guitar, a guitar tones. In seven years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that power pop stuff. It's definitely their most like Buzz Cockian song. Yeah, Biz, but big Buzz Cock energy. Yeah, 
Noah, yeah, you do we, go? do yeah, Noah. Well, let's just go into the second song because I think, like all great albums, this has a good one-two punch. And uh, the song number two, "I'm a Pretender," which we're talking about it, like how a lot, a lot of the bands we've been doing, especially like the white guy bands, they can kind <laughs> AKA of AKA like, indie rock, indie rock <laughs> yeah. AKA ninety-nine percent of the covered. bands. Yeah. <laughs> Where they can be like so introspective and like myopic and it's like, woe is me. And yeah. Like, like I'm Naval a piece gazing. of shit. They're like, I'm a piece of shit because the world is a piece of shit. This guy's like, I'm a piece of shit because I'm 21. And like, yeah, I kind of want to be a piece yeah, of shit. What yeah. What else do you want? I'm in a punk band. I'm supposed yeah. to be fucking around. But it's also like harmless. He's not like, you know, nah. he's not. And like I just love it's like self-critical, like, and it's not like yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's this kind of thing. which like the really bad version of this that was like coming out, like all the sleazy rock. It was just like the same fucking basic hair metal sensibilities of just like objectifying women, just being yeah. all fucking rude. And target is him at all times, exactly, like. and kind of like it has a generational awareness that's like really, really kind of refreshing. It's also more taking the piss than wallowing in self-pity, you know, which I think right. is a big, big key to making it feel more exuberant and, and, and exhilarating versus just like, yeah. you know, whiny or whatever. And um, I agree. Yeah, I'm a pretender. Like, it's such a great chorus. I mean, it kind of reminded me of the pretenders, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's yeah, uh, their power pop. Yeah, it's like a garage rocky version of like Nick Lowe. I like there's the lyric where it's like 21, but it ain't no fun. Kind of even though he's having like the time of his life. Well, sadly. Yeah. But well, I also like there's like a honest. flimsy ass solo going on. <laughs> and they totally. know it. like yeah. it's just like so dinky. But it's like I really am more good. of a fan of like weak solos in a way or like bad yeah. solos than <laughs> silly solos. Than like full on like shred master general, you know, it's kind yeah. of like no, it's, it's, it's more like, cool. Yeah. Bands, it's like still Keith, go for it, but Keith know their Richard's limits. school of solos where it's just like get in and get out, like don't show off too much. Yeah, put together yeah. like three licks and then fucking yeah. get out, and you're good. And it also yeah. has like a girl group '60s kind of vibe going. Totally, yeah, yeah, for sure. What's but I think this song under there? fucking slaps hard. Fucking totally. Right, well, Let's uh, let's hear this bad boy. Here is a little bit of the. I'm gonna play the intro first because again, a lot of these songs just start off with a bang. And I think this is another one, um, and then we'll we'll get to a little bit of the other stuff we talked about. But here is I'm a pretender. <laughs> Definitely pub rock vibes on this one. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's yeah. get to a little bit of the, the bridge here, which I think is really, really cool too. Yeah. 
little dinky guitar. <laughs> like the strokes would do that too, but I think they do it a little better. It's more, it has more feeling with these guys. Like the strokes would more do it. Country vibe or something. It's fucking great. And then here is, yeah, here's a little more of that dinky solo. Let's get into it because it's just fantastic. And that's it. I mean, that's just so perfect, like so spot on. I mean, you know, 15 seconds of some some noodling and fucking it just works. Yeah. It's always a good sign when you have a lyric that's like, I just woke up, stuff like that, like rolling out of bed. <laughs> He's not trying to like ask the yeah, big questions. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> I woke up and yeah, I wasted I wasted half a day. You know, it's like it's just little, little shit. That's yeah. Everyday life shit. Yeah. All right, Caleb. <laughs> you got one for us? It's a good like a uh, not wake and bake song. Wake and wake and drink song. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> My supper is actually bookending the album. I think that the last two songs are fucking great. That's like that's a rare feat where you have the one two punch and then you have the two other punches, the knockout, <laughs> you know? But knockout, yeah, yeah, we can I don't know if anyone had the gel bait and then the the last song. Gel bait. Still crazy on Alberta, the gutter. <laughs> oh shit. That's what I'm saying. These guys are gel birds, other lesser sleazier bands that talk about gel bait and all that problematic so. Yeah, that's true. That's I had these I had those two on my honorable mentions. Yeah, but I think those are two great. I, I think still crazy is just a bit more of a slapper, you know, it, it, it fills it out. I think there's some cool kind of like new baby kind of piano, uh, maybe the keyboard kind of towards the end there. Um, and it's just like, yeah. And then it has the fucking samples of Elance and Coke or whatever the fuck else they're doing. <laughs> uh, and it's just like the whole, the whole vibe of it is just really great encapsulation of like the album. And then I think it gets really really efficiently like teed up by Gelbird uh for that so yeah those are those are my two my two slappers sorry it took two ones but um no it's all good Jailbird. i'll play i'll play a little bit of i'll play a little bit of each because i i think both are both yeah. are great and you're right caleb like it really ends the record on a bang um i mean again this record is only 28 minutes so yeah. it's like it's pretty impossible for them to have put out you know, even if there's a a song that you think is kind of boring, like it's over in a minute. So it's not like it really, you know, is even that bad. And there's not even any of the songs like that. Mm -hmm. So, but the last two songs are like three minutes long. They end with like their opus. <laughs> right. They're kind and of, their, yeah, they're epics. I, yeah. I had in my notes the last couple, there's a few times on my notes. He kind of has like a Pee Wee Herman voice. <laughs> you could imagine just like if Pee Wee Herman was like in a punk band. Pee Wee Herman is punk rock, though. Yeah, it is Pee Wee Herman energy, like a subversive kind of like little fake little like, kid. Yes, yes, they have that kind of, kind of like, like gleefulness, naivete. Yeah. yeah, but it's not uh, kitty indie at all. Weirdness. No, no, it doesn't. It has like the the uh, like the feel like it has the energy and the exuberance of a little kid, but it doesn't sound like little kid shit. Like no. like our friends' architecture or whatever. So, okay, here's a little bit of Jailbird uh, first, which I think is great. 
like that right there that could totally be like a fucking dion song or something from back in the day like yeah it does yeah. Like that. but also it's just like the way yeah. that they the way that they put these songs together like it's just so good like the turns it takes and the way that like the riffs are playing off of each other and i also really like the like the texture here of acoustic guitar it just adds that extra little bit underneath that makes that elevates this song you know there's nice little touches like that throughout which is just like you know it really helps make these pushes them over the top i mean they're already really good songs yeah and of course jailbird is a homage to inhaling rubber cement sniffing glue (laughs) goes back to the ramones yeah it's all started yeah i think jailbird i like the what you say the lyrics are fun because it also What's similar to what you're saying, like a Dion song or like a Teen Idol song, is like like juvenile delinquency and like yeah, yeah. you know all that kind of spiteful, youthful shit that was like really popular yeah. in the '50s, early '60s, like drag racing songs. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the Teen Idols like or the that, Teen what's Angels. What's that one that like Jan and Dean? Uh, yeah, uh, leader, leader of the, of the pack. pack. Or what's that other? The, oh, the Shangri Laws. Yeah. It's like, yeah, boy, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those those were the, that was classic rock yeah. back in the day. Remember that? Like we could yeah. hear all the girl groups. Now it's just butt rock fucking. That those was the, not classic that's like rock. The, that was old. There used to be a distinction oldies, between oldies, oldies and classic rock. That's oldies true. but goodies, oldies, baby. Yeah. The oldies are gone. Oldies was also, how do I say this? More diverse in what you could hear. <laughs> that's true that's all white true. boomers <laughs> trying to play like more diverse people but jailbird they reference Man. rubber cement shout out <laughs> shout out rubber cement um high. if anybody has some vintage rubber cement hit our uh, direct messages yeah. we I've might be yeah full chemical for an, exper- that, for an experimental episode i've been chasing that high ever yeah. since <laughs> let me <laughs> play a little bit let me play a little bit of the outro because I think that this is also has some of that what we're talking about here, joking about. For sure. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not that one. Well, that was like kind of a girl group drum beat going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was there, hear them get kind of jammy, you know, like kind of spreading out a little bit, you know, get a little more epic in scope. Definitely. And I think one thing that I I mentioned when because me and Emily were listening to this on the uh, on the drive back up up uh, back home today, uh, that that riff in Jailbird, it's like a it's basically just a Talking Heads riff, right? Transported into a this little song. bit, yeah. A little kind of repetitive, little jingly, little bit. Yeah, without like the cerebralness of <laughs> right, it, exactly. But it's More got that elliptical college feel. vibes. <laughs> He's like, you guys get high on inhalants. I just try oh, to inhale air. <laughs> That's pretty good. But let's get in, let's play a little bit of still crazy, which I think uh, I also agree with Caleb. You, you Caleb, yeah. there. Uh, this is like it's another great jet. song run uh, runaways riff or something it's good yeah and it's and also i i thought this one also kind of has a buzzcocky and sort of vibe as well 
but again just to end the record on like a like a, a banger and an upbeat banger like super fucking genius move like why don't more bands do that like oftentimes that last song is something that's a little bit more mellow or a little bit slower or a ballad or something it's like no fucking finish off with a send people off with a fucking you know a gigantic bang and and put people in a good mood like that's the whole it's the whole thing of this record is like you want to party fucking and you want to listen to this immediately after you you know it finishes spinning because it's just that fucking good and you can because it's 28 fucking minutes yeah so here's a little bit of still crazy And then here is a little bit of that outro, which I think is what you mentioned, Caleb, of the sniffing glue. Sniff sound was after Jailbird, but okay. Anyways, that's just you get the point. Sniff your yeah. own glue. Go for yeah, it. go go that's sniff your own. Glue. That's what it encourages you. That's Add the your own sound effects. <laughs> All right, we got another. Anyone got another banger? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was it for me. Adrian, yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a banger slapper of an album, but yeah, those All two right. songs I think are really what. Well, then I'll um. Would really drive it home for me. Nice. I'll uh. So then I'll go ahead and into my. We can we can call this the last one. Although as you're saying, Caleb, we could we could really talk about every single one of these songs. But this one is is one of their more well known ones, one of their bigger ones. Their uh, hit. It's, it's kind of their hit, although it doesn't have the most plays on on Spotify. Yeah. It's the second most. But Modern Kicks has a million plays. I was kind of happy to see. I'm that. a pretender has a million plays. Like yeah, it's yeah. um. You Those know, are hits. They're they are. Um, but this one, Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades, is another Hopefully one. Hopefully, the guitarist like sees all that little cash. Oh yeah, I don't, who knows? I oh, mean, I'm a sure. million plays on Spotify. You can get like a stick of gum with that. Yeah, yeah. twelve cents. Yeah. You could buy guitar strings. Hopefully, something. <laughs> a, a guitar string, maybe. But I think not these days. It, yeah. This is another one. <laughs> this is another one where it, it it just encapsulates everything that they do really well. You know the catchy melodies, the the really rocking vibes. Uh, you know a, a really catchy chorus, and great, they also great drop title a great title, and they also drop in a lot of different it's little evocative, yeah, little little you know guitar bits, and it's just yeah, it's just a through and through great song. I don't know. Do you guys have any any other thoughts about Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades? Yeah, I, I felt like it was very. Um, I have it on a different list. Oh, Kevin. Yeah, I, I thought descent. true punk rock form. I What's thought it that? sounded very much like the Clash, the riff. It sounds like Rongum Boyo a little bit. Mm. But Caleb, you have this on a whack. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't want to take away from the some the slappiness of it all. So why don't we uh, hear a little taste of it and you guys come on it further and then I'll, yeah, I'll tear it to shreds. <laughs> all right. Well, here is a little bit of the chorus from Sleeping Aids and Razor Blades. And right into the verse there but yeah i think you know that riff is is kind of a classic sort of riff it's you know the the again the bounciness of it just super enticing and super fun i don't know i think it's just a great it's a great power pop song you know it it captures everything that you want from a power pop song for sure so caleb you have it as a whack are you going to address the uh mm elephant yeah i mean room. i think yeah th- they say the r word on this song um and i mean 2002 was, like, i guess intellectually disabled r word yeah very pejorative term used for people with um hard mental hard capacities r. yeah hard r um it not a shocking good word. to hear that i forgot that they it said was that. so shocking here and even i was like well these are my 2021 years i think 2002 we probably knew better too i don't know and i get it their whole thing is like oh we're pieces of shit young kids but it's like i don't know i think there's a different word you can use there's other words that rhyme i don't know that that's kind of like kind of ruins it for me but also so yeah not a good sound fellas um but i i don't know i found a little just a little too snotty a little too gimmicky and kind of just like I don't know. I think it's like that band Jet a little bit, or it's just like let's be way too obviously retro and have that kind of bubblegum pop, bouncy sensibility um, without any of like the grit or anything. I understand like you're trying to have a breakout single and everything, but and you know it's effective. It's a little number to you know quote an idol, but yeah, it just it just doesn't work for me. It's a little bit too into the nostalgia of itself. Huh. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I can see that. It's definitely one of the more cleaned up songs for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Of all of them. But yeah, let's get, let's hear a little bit of that. Let's hear that moment because it is, it is jarring. And I apologize to anyone who, who may trigger feel, warning, feel offended by this, but it's, you know, it's part of this song. And, and it's, yeah. as we mentioned, it's a big song for them. So here, here is that moment for uh, everyone to hear. Well, he's not saying it. He's saying that somebody said it about him. Yeah, but then who are these friends you're hanging out with that kind of language? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, if they if they had if they had released this just a few years later, I don't think that that would have made it. I you could change that, it to like you told all my friends I'm a creep bar, a creeper. Yeah, yeah, there's other there's substitutes that could have. I'm a leopard. Oh, wait, maybe you can't say that either. <laughs> I, th- I think you can say leopard, but that's a compliment back then. That's like uh, shirt was like I'm a, leopard a preacher. Print. I just <laughs> I think 
I think this is right towards the end of people using that word and, and not. Yeah. And I don't want to like further debate the point, but even more jarring. Cause like, I know people call things all worded, no ed, but like the a, a blank, a, that is, that is even further removed from our parlance. You know, that's like, I haven't Mm -hmm. heard that used in even longer. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I think it is. it was definitely something at the time that was still that had some sensitivity around it. But I think, you know, I think that it was, I think it was definitely a more of a punk rock move on their part to put it here, but it's, yeah, it's jarring and unnecessary for sure. Was the, the hangover movies had that whole bit about where they, they pronounced it differently where they said a re whatever. And then there was also the whole go, go (laughs) R word. As far as like getting drunk, that was like in the parlance. Oh, the, uh, the that was like the high song. It was like the hyphy. Yep, like hyphy also did it. They had like get stupid, and uh, there's a Mr. Fab video of him driving a short bus around the sunset. Oh boy! Uh, (laughs) Yikes! It was a different time, and I'm glad. Way too far into it. We moved on to it, but um, also. You know, if we're going to give them a hard time, we also have to give our time about the artist who used as his last name for many, many albums and many years. So, yeah, and he's dead Yikes. too. So, you know, God tragically comes for too. You yeah. Good songwriter, good guitarist. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. Moving on. Let's get out of here. Well, let's, uh, yeah, let's, let's get out of this. Let's bad get our boy. minds out of 2003. Yeah. What are you guys going to give it? Caleb, you go first. Okay. Oh, uh, man, on the spot. I mean, this album's kind of like rating. It's like it's not very punk of me to like give something a number, but you know what? I'm gonna go straight down the line with pitchfork. I think it is a eight point eight. It has the the spirit of nineteen eighty eight, I guess, a little bit. And um <laughs> not really and maybe nineteen seventy eight, but um yeah, it's just like really strong eight, fun as hell not breaking a serious amount of ground but like revisiting a good amount of ground that was done super tastefully and really confidently for a debut so yeah i'm gonna give it an 8.8 adrian you go yeah i i that's kind of where i was at originally but listening to it listening to it a few times and listening to it now just going through these songs i think I think it's a nine, but for me, it's a nine. It's just, it's just a great record through and through. There's no real fat or anything. I mean, it's impossible to have fat on a 28 minute record. Right? Although maybe not completely impossible, but I think it's just, it's a yeah, solid record. Through jeans, and, through. Man. <laughs> and so I, yeah, a 9.0 for me. Yeah. Nice. So I, I kind of, no, uh... I didn't really struggle with like ranking this album. Cause I enjoyed it right out of the gate. And I do have some nostalgia for it. And it is such a document of a band that only had one album due to tragic circumstances. And it was really refreshing to hear this type of music in 2021. And I would say like, it does get lumped into like revivalist retro rock or whatever, but I think these guys set out to be a punk band and I don't think there's that much. Totally. There's not a lot of affectation. I mean, there's punk rock is an affectation. It is like seem like 
you know, it is like I'm in your face. Like that's what I'm trying to do. You know, like, so, you know what? Fuck it. I'm hemming and hawing. I'm going to give it a 10. Oh, oh shit. Oh, there it is, folks. Because as far as like debut albums, as far as. Uh, <laughs> right. Anyways, okay. I give this a 10 marker. <laughs> oh, it's folks. The first one from Noah. No, I've given a couple albums a 10, but this one's a 10 uh, just because I think I as far as like a document, like rock and roll history is littered with like one and done albums. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a fondness for those as it is. But yeah, I think it's just like a statement. It's like a document of like these, like kind of a perfect little snotty brat punk rock record that was made by 20 year old kids. And uh, I don't think you can ever take that away. I think it's like a a timeless 10.0 album. Fuck it. Wow. Nice. Well, I think this is the first solo 10 from Noah. Yeah, that's true. Crazy, dude. Yeah, that's more what I meant. Yeah, and for like a Jake Ford rock album too. To give it yeah, a, it's not flawless or anything, but more I mean, punk, punk rock album not supposed to be perfect. But. Yeah, perfect imperfections, just like this podcast. So that rounds it out at a nice nine point two six nine. I had to throw the sixty nine in there because I'm sexually charged as well. <laughs> So let's go, yeah, 9.269, baby. 9.3, effectively. Not bad. I think that's, that's, that's pretty accurate. Pretty high. I think if Pitchfork did in, like, 2023 when they do the 20th, they'll probably give it a 10. Yeah. Probably. Although they may, they may give it, like, a 9.8 because of the because of, of the, the lyrical content. Dock it, yeah. No, I think, well, yeah, I think, I think they would probably give it a 10 if it gets reissued i hopefully it gets reissued i'd love to own this on on nice new vinyl yeah i know i saw it pop up at a record store i fucking didn't buy it i should have you gotta get it man i should have got it next time next all right all right so moving on we as you know as we were talking about in our previous episode we retired uh the smooth scale you know, rest easy, uh, that segment. Uh, I need to give Santana a break. So um, we went with a, a different kind of like song, similar vibe, you know. Um, you know, Sim still has that stain on it, that it's fun. A musical bump. It's a <laughs> musical bump, kind of weird, kind of dash, you know. So we are proud to debut the new scale, and that is the Walsh scale, baby. We're talking... Life's been good, but other than Joe Walsh, Joe Walsh. So life's been good. Solo, not any of that bullshit with the Eagles or any <laughs> of that good shit Eagles, with uh, the James King. But no, we're talking so baby. Life's been good. You all know that song. His Maserati is one ninety five. All that good <laughs> shit. So, how does this album stack up to Life's Been Good scale? I think it's of a piece. I think yeah. he's talking about the same shit, crashing his car, fucking never been to his mansion, all kinds of shit. Yeah. He's all fucked up. Doing all sorts of substances, getting all fucked up. Yeah. Um, the, you know, he doesn't give a shit. They, a, <laughs> they both have a night day and a stank on them that, um, yeah, is rare. 
Yeah, I think it passes the uh, Joe Walsh life's been good scale. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely agree. agree. Definitely agree. So, um, yeah, throw up a piece. Let's hear a little bit of life's been good. Let's hear Here all nine and a half minutes. <laughs> nine yeah, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know well, the song ends not... with like, the song ends with like pigs squealing? There's like a yes. weird, Some weird shit. They had they brought out all the songs, dude. That's kids, uh, homage to the pet sounds or some yeah. shit. Yeah. It's called having a lot of money and being on coke in a recording. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, here is the. Still having a lot of money even after all that coke. <laughs> Here is the inaugural Life's Been Good scale. That riff could have been on this album. It's not too far off. It totally could have. Definitely. Joe yeah. Walsh has just this particular guitar style. It's just it's slippery and greasy and it's like something st- about it. Stac- it's infectious. I think it's like staccato bravado. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing technically. I'm not, I'm not a guitar guy. It's staccato bravado. He, he just has this uh, <laughs> style. It's very stylistic. Yeah, yeah. I hit the lotto with the staccato bravado. There you uh, go. All right, what's next? Cool. Well, um, yeah, we all have glowing things to say about that album. So let's go on to the game because what happened, man, we don't need to rehash that. It's tragic. Yeah. And, they uh, passed. Yeah. They passed. And yeah, I but I one, hope of the, I... one of the surviving members was did some solo stuff and uh, or some started some other bands and things and you know continued to make music, which is really admirable. Uh, yeah. coming from you know, really tragic yeah. and then and losing beyond like that. But I hope look out for that doc too. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, we don't have enough influence, but like I don't know, maybe we could link to like a whatever indie go go for that documentary or something but yeah it'd be nice to see them get like definitely i hope they get a reissue on vinyl and all that um maybe it's tricky because they were signed to like a smaller label i don't know but i hope kids will listen to this album stuff like that yeah yeah i think power pop will always live yeah that's true all right all right what do you got game wise for us the game, I got a little round of Pitchfork Price is Right. Nice. So I'll just give you an album, and you tell me what Pitchfork – you try to guess what Pitchfork ranked it. Uh, whoever gets the closest without going over wins. And I did a little revision or revivalist – or what's it called? Rock Revival Yeah, edition. Retro Rock edition. And I tried to pick – I think I picked all um, – debut albums nice so here we go let's go first with the kings of the retro rock the strokes is this it what do you think pitchfork gave it man 2000 2001 2001 yeah how can we how can we forget a whistle um 
I feel like it's not as high as you would expect, but then again, who knows? Yeah, I think by virtue of it being like on MTV. Adrian, what do you think it is? I'm going to go with an 8.6. I'm going to go a 8. So Adrian said 8.6. You said 8, Caleb. Yeah, no, you guys are nothing. way off, dude. This was hype, motherfucker. This is nine point one. Nine oh, one. See, show some Damn, respect. Right around nine eleven, too. That's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I have a quote from the review. Album cannot escape that. I have a re- quote from the review. Hype, it's a bitch. <laughs> that was in the review. All right, here we go. We got the hives. Vinny, Vidi, vicious. I came, I saw, I vicioused. 6.8. I think it didn't get very good. Yeah, I don't think they liked it. This band was always kind of a novelty band. They were huge. Yeah, which yeah, is odd because they were like, one of the more genuine of, of these bands. The homie but, Edward yeah, and they, loved them. Oh, yeah. Remember the Battle of the Bands on the VMAs? That was classic. They, <sighs> they, the they, won, they won that battle. It was the Hives, the Vines, and the White Stripes. That's right. And the Hives, I think, played first. They're like, we know we won this. You don't want to hear none of these other shitty bands. And they like threw their fucking mic down. I was like, oh, yeah, they did win. They kind of embarrassed the White Stripes. It's a great Swedish accent. Suits and shit. Yeah. yeah. And I think they had albums before that album broke, right? They were like, you know. Yeah, they had, yeah, this, they had this been around in, in, they were, in Europe. They were, they were like surprisingly like in their mid 20s or something yeah yeah, yeah. they were older they're, and they had the old the bass player looked fucking super old that was his <laughs> right gimmick <laughs> yeah. right yeah uh, like a five o'clock shadow same thing with uh, the arctic monkeys they also had the a little more monkeys. stout they had the <laughs> so anyways, guy. yeah yeah what was your six point eight adrian um yeah. i'm gonna probably say yeah they might have given it a light shadding upon um 6.5 no 7.4 Oh, that's, that's so, yeah, it's generous, but also very, yeah, in typical. a way that's worse than a 6.9. Yeah, you might be right because the 6.9 makes it sound like something weird in genre about yeah. it, you know. Yeah. 7.5 just feels like they overshot it or it under delivered or something. All right, here we go. Yeah. The vines highly evolved. Oh boy, I uh, yeah, oh, wait, 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 before I get in, so I pulled an excerpt from the hives. Yeah, this this kind of explains exactly what you guys were talking about. Safest garage band in the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Caleb, that is worse. Getting a seven point four and being calling a safe garage that is yeah. worse than getting a six point nine. I mean, Sweden's a safe country. It's pretty you know, terrible. Safest whatever. garage band in the world. I know, yeah. especially uh, at this time, the, Rock was pretty fucking safe. The, first um, the Vines, highly evolved. I see. Uh, I I feel like they shit all over this. I, I think it's like a five. Yeah, because this band was obviously trying to jump on the wagon. So, yeah, I don't think they gave it a, a monkey peeing in its own mouth, but it probably like a five. 4.1. Oof. Yeah. Oh shit. That's shitty. They shit on them, man. They didn't deserve that. They put yeah, no man. no life signs penetrate the clarity of this album. What? 
Okay. So they were saying it was like two. Yeah. You know, the other thing is too, is like Rolling Stone was, and like Spin, they were all all about the 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 bands and like the the garage rock. They were on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. Yeah, I read that 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 before the debut album came out. They were all over all those bands. So then Pitchfork probably saw it and like, that's not our scene. Return of the Rock, baby. They were calling the Vines guy like little Kurt Cobain. Like they annoyed yeah. his ass. But anyways, yeah. that's what all I got. Cause uh this podcast is going off the rails. So <laughs> let's finish it up. What did they yeah. give the ghosts? Um yeah, where's the ghost debut album? Oh, the ghosts get ghosted in <laughs> two thousand two. They gave it a <laughs> fucking four point nine. They didn't understand. That seems unfair. Yeah. They said, they said, these lovable losers missed the jet, slipped on the vine, and they (laughs) they have no hives to speak of because they are not toxic, allergic, catchy, or airborne. They are just there. Is this it? No, it's not. The ghosts. It sounds like a fucking like news rule. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. Awesome. That was a fun game, um, Noah. Thank Look you. Look forward to more next week. Yeah. The games, would that be a good uh, revival rock band name? Yeah. They gave the Donnas 4.9. Ouch. Nice Palo Alto, baby. Represent. That's disrespectful. Really? Really? The Palo Donnas, Alto? what did the Donnas do to yeah. you, Pitchfork? Give them a fucking <laughs> seven. Come on. <laughs> they said always a better gimmick than a band. Jesus Christ. Well, Fucking that's mis- sexist. Misogynist. Yeah. Come right. on. Caleb, take us out, baby. What are we doing next week? All right. Next week, call your dad because we are rocking with your dads with the hold steady separation <laughs> Sunday. Oh, we're gonna have fun with that one. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have a good time. Some spring spring stingy and rock. It's a hard word to say, but we're still in the garage. We're trying to pull the um, Studebaker out the garage. <laughs> yeah, we're in the two car garage that your dad turned into a where he jams with his band. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, anyways, thank you for this uh, joining us on this Extendo episode. Um, yeah, we uh, look forward to hearing from you guys on social media. Also, uh, find us where podcasts are found and rate review subscribe go to our website wackerslaps.com we're on all the good social medias uh for now until we get uh censored um yeah send us some emails talk some shit instagram yeah send us emails we need reviews we need reviews we need your input send us your voicemails send us your ideas for episodes we're we're open to it all we're we're just sponges for good ideas and um yeah thank you for joining us thank you kiki for the awesome theme song it's very very good power pop with a synth lead which i'm glad Noah's on board for some synth leads (laughs) (laughs) anyways for noah and adrian i am caleb and this has been wacker slaps and as always what made milwaukee famous Ooh, hit the music bye